the Sodexo Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Hello and welcome to Sodexo's Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. I'm Stephen Marshall, former co-chair of the Culture and Origins Network. Today we've got a podcast recording that's going to reflect on a recent Culture and Origins event. I'd like to welcome you all to the podcast. We've got a couple people with us here today who are going to reflect on the event. First of all, let's start off by introducing ourselves. Hello everyone, I'm Shannon Wall and I'm the Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator and I helped with the administration on this event. Hi everyone, I'm Roger Jones, Diversity and Inclusion Manager for Stoxley UK in Ireland. Um, one of my responsibilities includes supporting our employee networks and I also sit on our Global Culture and Origins Task Force, specifically the local minority support stream and I co-project and manage this event. So, I wonder if you could just start off by telling me a little bit about the event. So we had Binna Condola, um, the famous corporate breakfast with Binna. I was looking about race in the workplace and how it's important to start getting comfortable talking about race to make some more positive changes for people from black and Asian minority background, more scholarly approaches, fame, individuals. Okay, and then um, why exactly did you choose that topic for the event? Um, race is an increasingly important topic for us to be looking at within any organisation. Um, if you look at the kind of experience of people from a background externally, it's not particularly great. For example, if you look at the unemployment rate for those from a black background between 16 and 24, as an example, the unemployment rate is 26%, but compared to white people, that's only 11%. So there's things that we need to do in an organisation to help improve opportunities and experiences for those from a BAME background. Some research has found that if we were to get race equality rights, so to speak, it could add up to 24 billion per year for the UK economy. That's why this is a really important agenda that we need to be talking about. Well, that, that does sound like a really valid reason to um, host the event on that particular topic. Um, Raj, could you tell us maybe also who's at the event? What type of attendees did we have coming along? Yeah, so we held the event on the World Day for Cultural Diversity for Dialogue and Development. And the event was really an opportunity for us to bring together organisations to come share experiences and learn from one another. So we very much targeted those who have responsibility in their own organisation for the race agenda and are very much committed to this agenda. So we had a very good cross-representation of organisations at the event from various different industries and sectors. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, so before the event started, I took a moment to speak to some of the panellists that were going to be there on the day. Um, the first panellist that I spoke to that we're going to hear from is Sandra Kerr OBE. She works for BITC, that's Business in the Community. Um, let's hear what Sandra had to say. So I wondered, um, having conducted quite significant research that's contributed to government policy changes, um, what more do you think the government still needs to do to accelerate the change needed in relation to the main issues of race within the workplace? Sorry, very long question. I think one of the things the government need to do now is announce the results of the pay consultation on an ethnicity and pay um, and take action on that. I think employers need the direction and we know through the research not only we have done but the government has done it's good for UK, the, the UK economy and it's good for businesses to ensure that they have uh, fair representation and progression and no limit to people's um, opportunities within their organisations. Okay um, and do you feel that the work that the BITC has done has um, has contributed to some of the government changes and 
Oh, absolutely. Our Race at Work survey, we asked the question of employees. We asked, does your employer collect ethnicity and pay? And do they publish? And only 11% of large employers said that, yes, they did this. And it was 8% for small employers. So what that did was help the UK to realise that gender pay reporting hadn't naturally morphed into ethnicity pay reporting and that action was needed. So that helped um, to trigger the consultation. It was part of the evidence gathering. Um, And I think what pay and ethnicity reporting will do is bring the discussion to the top table in the way that hasn't been had before. Mm -hmm. Because, again, our survey has shown repeatedly that the UK are not comfortable talking about race. When we ask employers and we say, is your employer employees? And when they say, is your employer comfortable? Everyone's saying no, but this will, you know, really bring the issue to the top table, which is where it needs to be discussed. In the same way that gender pay. Absolutely. The same way gender pay will do that. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Sandra. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. The event was opened by Raj Verma, Senior Vice President of Human Resources, Corporate Services Worldwide. Let's take a moment to hear Raj's opening speech. We did the survey of our members and it also confirmed something that the BITC um, also found when they did their surveys. People are uncomfortable talking about race. They don't know the language to use, they don't know whether they're going to offend people. Um, how can we help with that? What can we do to make it a far more comfortable conversation? Actually, sometimes the conversations may need to be uncomfortable for them to come out for a positive outcome. So we shouldn't forget that either. Um, so the theme today is all about that. It's about being comfortable talking about race, you know, and hopefully you'll, sh- you'll hear some of the experiences that people have gone through. Um, but, you know, we need to be brave. And, and I'm going to steal a phrase from PwC, you know, they talk about being brave, being colour brave, not being colour blind. And I love that. And I think it really has a tone to it which allows people to, to leverage the conversation from that. And, you know, everyone has to have that healthy curiosity um, about others, and I think that just makes it far more of a value-driven conversation. Our keynote speaker was Professor Bina Candola OBE, senior partner and co-founder of Pern Candola. Bina specialises in workplace psychology and had a really powerful presentation. Let's hear an extract from Bina on modern racism in the workplace. The study about criminal records, the title of the paper, it's an academic paper, the title of the paper is called The Stigma of a Criminal Record. The point of the paper and the research was to look at the impact a criminal record has on your employment prospects. As a side offshoot of this, they actually found that a black person with no criminal record was stigmatised more than a a white person with a criminal record. So that wasn't the point of the study, it was just kind of, this is something they kind of, a shocking outcome that they found. In Britain, uh, if you want to balance things up, which is what the last study is about, if you want to balance things up, so actually you want to get black people, minorities, shortlisted to the same extent, what level of experience more would a minority have? And they found eight years. Being a minority penalises you to the extent of eight years' experience. That's how much more you need to get an equal outcome. Research was carried out in the United Kingdom. It was published by Oxford University in January of this year. They found there's no difference in a 50-year gap. And yet we think that racism is a thing of the past. Forms of racism today uh, come under modern, uh, different names, but I've chosen one name, which is modern racism. Uh, and modern racists, they neither express, this is really critical here, they neither express nor endorse racist stereotypes and views. They don't express and actually don't agree with racist stereotypes and views. All right? 
So, on the, so you couldn't ask for more than that, really. However, modern racists also believe that racial equality has been achieved and that we, know, that we need no further policies to promote it. Racism is over. There is nothing to discuss. However, modern racists will make more discriminatory decisions if the conditions are right. So in one study, people had 10 CVs to look at. Uh, and they had to shortlist three. Five of the CVs were clearly unsuitable, like absolutely unsuitable. All right? So you had five suitable CVs left, of which three were black, and you had to select three people. So you'd expect at least one black person to be selected. All right? In the control group, that's exactly what they found. They found one black person was selected. I, interesting, not two or three, it was one. So it's kind of the minimum that went through, even with people in the control group. In the experimental group, people received a message from the CEO saying, given that most of our customers are white, it will be preferable not to have a minority candidate in this particular role. In that case, less than one black candidate was selected. So a clearly unsuitable white candidate was being chosen in preference to a clearly suitable black candidate. So given the right context and opportunity, I'll come back to this point about the importance of leadership later on, because the context is just as important as the individual actions themselves, maybe more so. Where social norms are not obvious, people are more likely to behave in discriminatory and less helpful ways towards minorities. And one surefire way of increasing, of increasing bias is to increase competition between groups and suggest that minorities are somehow limiting the opportunities of the dominant majority. And that expressing the views directly, in this case, the target is not a group, but rather a policy, like a diversity policy. Modern racists do not express negative views about minorities. Modern racists do not express negative views about minorities. That would be unacceptable. But they do fail to express any positive views, and they will fail to offer support uh, when needed. Wow, so that was a really powerful um, clip that we've just heard there from Binner. Shannon, what did you find really interesting about Binner's presentation today? So I thoroughly enjoyed Binner's presentation today. I think what I found most interesting was his belief that racism is a social construct and that prior to the 16th century, racism didn't exist. Your personality, your ability and your intellect wasn't associated with the colour of your skin. Yeah, I, 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 you know, as a black person myself, I really felt that that was one of the more powerful parts of um, of the discussion that and his presentation. Um, I think it it sh it was really interesting from a historical point of view to hear that he felt that slavery was one of the key turning points in history for how people um, their views and perception. Um, of of colour um, and how it's really manifested itself in a different shape and form um, in modern society. That view, that world view, that um, that was developed in the 16th century, so long ago, hundreds of years ago, still has this uh, massive impact um, on us today. That for me was really an important message and and is um, something that I think I took away and we can all take away. I mean, what would you say that um, were some of the key points that he was making around how that form of modern racism and that world view um, is apparent in society today? I believe he did make some sort of reference points, didn't he, about how, how it 
how it looks and in different places around the world. Yeah, so the CV example Binna just gave, this evidence is something that has been seen in different occupations, across different industries, against different sized businesses. It's also something that has been seen globally. So for example, in Sweden, you're 50% less likely to get an interview if you have a Muslim name compared to a white name. Um, And then this is also seen in Canada, where you're 35% more likely with a white name to get called back for an interview than a Chinese or Indian name. So this is evidence that has been replicated, has been worldwide, has been in different scenarios. It's evidence that you just you can't argue with. You know, it's 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 all there for you to see and to show that modern racism exists and it creates barriers for people of the BAME community. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Shannon. That was uh, really interesting, and those facts are really quite powerful when you see that it's something that's happening not only in the UK but mm-hmm. globally and within many different types of workplaces. Mm. And and the, the power of the CV, as you've, as you've just mentioned, I know within Sodexa we, we also trialled anonymous CVs and um, it had a significant impact on the number of applicants um, that were um, processed. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it, it, it does show you the power of a name, um, both of those examples. Yeah, I think as well um, the bit where he says you have to have eight, years more experience to get the same amount of callbacks as a white person was a powerful point. I agree. Um, It was really the standout point um, in the presentation Mm -hmm. for me. And I think we were discussing it afterwards, weren't we? Um, And sort of saying, what what was the bit of the event that you'd take home and sort of try to tell Mm -hmm. your friends and family about? Um, And for me personally, that statistic that Binna shared... Um, around a white person with a criminal record having a better opportunity to um, get a, an interview um, than a, a black person with no criminal record, which was really, really um, quite shocking. Um, so I think it sort of really hammered home the point again that we've still got quite a long way to go and that, you know, the statistics showed that as a society and within the workplace, there's, um, there's still discrimination and um, that's happening in, in terms of the same um, opportunities that people have within the workplace and when they're going for a job. Raj, could you tell us a little bit about what you thought of Binner's presentation today? Yeah, I think the one thing that really grabbed my attention made me think about the micro inequalities and how they can play out in the workplace and the very small behaviours that actually do a big impact it can have on individuals. Um, so. One in particular is about how you pronounce people's names properly and how sometimes by not doing that you can help people feel marginalised and excluded. And I think personally, people have always struggled to pronounce my name, even though it's only three letters, Raj. We always say Raj rather than Raj, and I've never really made a big deal about it, but more and more work I do in this area, more reflects actually, my name is Raj, but why don't I correct people? Why don't I let them say it's Raj when it's not? You know, I've, got a responsibility to create that because that's me, that's part of my identity. So it may seem something quite small, but it actually does matter to me and I should speak up about that. Some recent research, probably just last week as well, I found a third of BAME employees have been told to adopt a Western name by their employees as well. You know, this is part of people's identity, as I said, this is not acceptable. So I think it just reinforced to me, we all got a part to play in education and raising awareness. 
And why would you say that you think people maybe make mistakes with your name and, and haven't said it the right way? Uh, I just think there's not a name they're familiar with, perhaps. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. They've really asked me the question, so they pronounce it how they think they should pronounce it. I think it's fine. And I've not corrected them. I've not been proactive with that. So how, how would they know otherwise? But actually, I think it does bother me. I do got a duty to correct it. No, I understand that. Thanks, Raj. Um, okay, let's hear now from one of the attendees that um, was at the event and what they thought about their experience and what they learned. If you could just take a moment to introduce yourself, if that's okay, and uh, who you are, what organisation you work for. Sure, thanks, Stephen. Um, so, my name is Bavesh Ganesh. I'm the um, Employee and Industrial Relations Manager for Shell in the UK, um, and that role also encompasses uh, diversity and inclusion. Okay, brilliant. Thanks very much. Could you tell us a little bit, Bavish, about to, what you thought of today's event? Um, what particularly interested you and um, what you've learned? Sure. Um, so, look, when I, when I, if I'm being very honest, um, I came along to the event um, because um, someone I knew recommended it to me. Um, from the topic itself, it wouldn't have lended itself speaking my interest, but I came along on the recommendation of somebody I trusted and I was super energised and motivated by it. Why was I? Because it took an interesting and new take on racism that I haven't heard before mm-hmm. and it might just be my ignorance um, but some of the the points that uh, Professor Bina was making um, were points that resonated with me what I'd seen or heard heard other people talk about um, you know you can observe um, casually doesn't really you know register as anything in particular yeah it's kind of white noise mm. within an organization within society yeah um, but he kind of brought out those points and created a theme around it and it started to paint a story yeah. of what was going on yeah and so that was that was um, enlightening um, and hugely motivating to kind of make sense of something that didn't make sense before yeah yeah and would you say that there's something that you've heard today and something that you've learned um, and you know from the enlightening experience that, that you've um, had that you would take back to your organization or people you know yeah so i, th- I think there's a couple of things uh, one which is which is new enlightening is this take on modern racism yeah what is this yeah trying to describe it to people yeah um with some real life examples from you know what i've heard from professor binner and, and what i've heard from from others so that's number one um number two is i heard it again uh today uh, from 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 professor Bidar and from the panel discussions is this thing around engaging the majority yeah engaging the majority and building understanding with the majority so number two for me is finding opportunities to build that understanding within the organization between our leaders and with our BAME colleagues yeah um, either through the employee networks that we have or through other mechanisms yeah and so build more contact between the majority and the minority and through building more contact between the majority and the minority hopefully build more understanding appreciation of some of the difficulties challenges um, different competitive advantages that may be um, in the minority group um, which then 
creates an impetus for change. Mm-hmm. And what would you say would be the ways in which you might do that? So to build that, yeah. that that connectivity between the majority and the minority. So, okay, so um, this year we're thinking about and we're designing and hopefully implementing very soon a reciprocal mentoring program. Yeah. We heard about that uh, in in the panel conversation. So a program that um, connects a majority leader yeah, and a minority employee together so they can start to share their lived experiences yeah, and start to build a, a rapport, a relationship to build understanding from, from kind of both sides. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's uh, a initiative that I think I've heard other companies, um, academics talk about that that helps to uh, bridge some of the gaps that we have in the understanding and that's something that I will uh, go back and uh, make sure that we implement uh, in our company. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. Thanks so much for your time today, Barry. It's been really interesting speaking to you and, and hearing from somebody that was um, you know, on the receiving end of all the fascinating talks and discussions today. So, um, yeah. Thank again. you very much for the invite, Stephen. Thanks. Right, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so the second half of the event featured a panel discussion. Um, what did you both think about the panel discussion. Raj, can you start, maybe tell us a little bit about your thoughts? Yeah, it was a really interesting panel discussion, a really um, diverse range of people with different perspectives sharing their experiences and what they've been doing on this particular agenda. I think for me, Sandra Kerr showed some fascinating research um, that the ITC did recently um, about those from an ethnic minority background are more likely to have performance injected from vast promoted diversity and inclusion than their white colleagues. I thought that's just really interesting, but so much more to do in terms of um, getting everyone to promote diversity and inclusion as part of their roles in organisations. What do you what do you mean by your performance objective? Would you like to explain a little bit more about that? So performance objective means part of people's annual appraisals, can be set objectives um, as part of how to improve their performance or continue um, performing as they are doing. So one of the things we look to is actually how can you promote diversity and inclusion within your role. Would that be your role in certain behaviours or whether you join an employee network committee? So the research that um, Sandra and BIC did found that people given this kind of objectives were generally more from a BAME background than from a white background. And what do you what do you think that that actually means? Um, if I as if I was one of the listeners today, mm. I, I think I'd be asking myself what what does that actually mean? Maybe. Surely if uh, I, as a manager, chose to set objectives for someone that would be based on their performance, mm-hmm. what does this research show, do you think? Yeah, so we've all got a role to play in creating the right right for diversity and inclusion to make sure we attract and retain diverse people and actually make you know, our environments for people inclusive as possible. You know, everyone's got a role to play in that. So it actually just shows to me that much more work is, needs to be done in getting everyone involved in that piece of work. It's not something that just sits for HR function. Everyone in the organisation has that responsibility, so there's more to be done and getting on board with that. Okay, thanks. Okay, so Shannon, what, was there anything from the discussion that stood out for you that you um, took away from the day? Yeah, so as Raj just said, the majority needs to be involved in this conversation. You know, Romeo put it quite quite well, as in the majority tend to have the resources and make the decisions. So we really need more people to care about this and to open up to seeing that it is a real problem in our society. And 
it's having an effect on on people's lives but it's also having an effect on on a business romeo gave a good example of how international businesses need people from a diverse group companies are pushing back i think it's really interesting because the speech shows that Bain people hold 32 billion disposable mm-hmm. income in the UK. Yeah. So, what wouldn't it make business sense to be talking about this gender and trying to get race equality right and improve those experiences for the people from a Bain background? Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, one of the things that I remember about Romeo's uh, point there was that he was saying as businesses become more and more um, global and are looking to get into global markets, having diversity. Um, is becoming, um, as Jez Shannon uh, was making the point, having diversity in the people that are actually engaging on a global stage um, with other um, opening markets is going to be key to actually winning business. Um, so, you know, we, uh, we know that the, it's a business imperative from a performance point of view of your workforce, but I think Romeo was making a really interesting mm-hmm. point, yeah. wasn't he, about... Um, from a growth and, and sales perspective, yeah. um, in terms of opening up new markets, it's actually um, it's it, it's actually beneficial as well. Yeah, the talent pool out there is just not being fully utilised. There's one in eight people from a Bain background of working age, but only one in ten are actually in the workplace. There's a huge potential there that we're just not utilising and making best use of. You know, have a diverse workforce that's diversity of our customers. Obviously, I'll give a better service. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so maybe seeing we've uh, made a lot of references to Romeo, let's hear a little bit about what he said in his closing remarks of the panel discussion. The story cannot just be to the minority group. The story has yeah. got to be with the majority group as well because they have probably the most important role to play. They are the ones that allocate the resources. They, they usually sit on the boards, etc. And you cannot have the change permeating throughout the organization without having the majority on side. Um, and therefore, it's, it's also explaining to them what, what their role is, how they, can be, how they will be impacted if this doesn't, doesn't change, and how they can become allies and support this whole this whole change that is taking place because it's 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 better for all of us when that happens we're going to close off our discussion today it's been really interesting thanks so much raj thanks so much shannon for your time um what do we think sedexo and other organizations can learn from what we heard from the panelists from binner um, and some of the discussions that we had at the event I'd say he he showed us that modern racism has taken a toll in in, in a new form in in a micro form and and that everyone actually has these biases but but more needs to be done and and as I said before the majority they need to be involved in this conversation to actually make change so people need to people need to get more comfortable talking about race and you know as a white female I think it's better to talk about race and and get things wrong but push this agenda rather than doing nothing at all put your hands up and say that I'm I may not know everything on this agenda um, and I may get things wrong um, but I'm willing to learn and I want to make a difference and that's a lot better than doing nothing so so yeah so I think the majority need to to do more and and start talking about race with their colleagues 
Thanks, Shannon. That's a, that's a really great uh, input from you. I, I would say as well, in my um, position as co-chair of the, um, the Origins uh, Network previously, um, when we did research with our network members, who were all um, Selecto managers, one of the key areas that they came back and said that they wanted support with when we asked them in a survey what they uh, they felt culture and origins uh, could help them as, as a network um, was actually talking about race, funnily enough. Um, so I think, you know, the, this event and, you know, like what you've just said there, Shannon, this is something that people have got an appetite to understand more and to actually learn more about to get into a place where they are comfortable our managers have have pretty much told us that through our network and as a result of that we were looking to um to create a talking about race toolkit which is um still in development just to help people have those conversations but i think as um, raj verma said in in some of his closing remarks um we need to get into a space where people feel comfortable Mm -hmm having the uncomfortable conversations and that's quite a difficult place to get to in a, a workforce and a, 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 as diverse as, as ours. Um, Raj, what were your thoughts? No, I absolutely agree with both what you just said. It, it is important that we try and create the right culture that we can get comfortable having these uncomfortable conversations because until we do, we're not really going to be able to improve the experiences and opportunities. I think a lot of organisations are working on this agenda and we've got a shared goal, shared commitments where possible to try and learn from one another as well. Um, this is a very an issue embedded in society. It can take time to fix, but the more we can collaborate, the better I think to try and make progress that happen a bit sooner. Brilliant. Thanks so much again guys. Cheers. Thank you. The Selexo Diversity Inclusion Podcast.